God in unexpected places. This is the Messy Spirituality Podcast. Here's Jason Elam. Hey friends, this is Jason Elam. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Messy Spirituality Podcast. I love the conversations that we have here, and I hope you do too. But you know what I like even more than listening to the interviews on the podcast? I really love the conversations we're having on the Messy Conversations group over on Facebook. It's a safe, secure, private group where you can talk about your doubts and your struggles and faith and religion and all of life in an atmosphere free from judgment and full of love and respect. I would love for you to join the Messy Conversations group over on Facebook. You can find a link to it in the show notes for this episode, and I hope you'll join us there. Also, please check out our Patreon page. You'll also find a link to that in the show notes for this episode. It's patreon.com slash Jason Elam writes, W-R-I-T-E-S. That is where you can sign up to be our patron on Patreon. We could not do this podcast without the 25 supporters who have committed $1 a month or more to supporting the work of this podcast through Patreon. For each giving level, there are specific reward tiers. You can get everything from early access to each new episode of the podcast, all the way up to free copies of my forthcoming book, just for you. Uh, We are publishing articles just for our patrons on Patreon. We are also about to start releasing videos that will be specifically produced just for the patrons of this podcast on Patreon. So would you check that out? Patreon.com slash Jason Elam writes and make a pledge. It's just automatically drafted every month. You can cancel anytime and there's certainly no hard feelings about that, but I would love to have your support. It makes it possible for us to do what we're doing and we honestly could not do it without you. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this episode of the Messy Spirituality Podcast. My guest today is Eric Nevins. Eric is the host of the Halfway There podcast. He's the founder of the Christian Podcasters Association. He's someone I've gotten to know a little bit through his Facebook group, being a guest on his podcast, and through a couple of online Zoom broadcasts that we were mutually involved in. I'm really excited to talk to him today. I think he's got a different perspective than what we have on here a lot, so I'm really excited to dive in. Welcome to the Messy Spirituality Podcast, Eric Nevins. Hey, thanks, Jason. I am super glad to be here. Thanks a lot for the opportunity. Absolutely, man. I'm thrilled to have you. Can we start off talking about your spiritual upbringing? Were you raised in an atmosphere of faith? Yes, I totally was. So I grew up in an evangelical church. You know, our family was the family that was always there. Uh, So my parents were even like volunteers for the youth group, so I couldn't even get away from them then. <laughs> we uh, we were there whenever the doors were open. We were that family. So what was that like for you? What was your experience of it? Did you think of it as, you know, well, this is something I have to do? Or was it something you were excited about being a part of? Uh, you know, church really for me as a young man was a safe place. So um, school was not always a safe place. And so church was was one where I had friends and I, I knew people and uh, I was at least sort of popular. I felt like pe- people cared if I was there or not. So no, it was actually a really good, good thing. Something I always looked forward to. We had leaders who invested in us uh, and I loved it, but I always kind of had these questions about how we, how we do things differently. So, you know, I grew up in a, it was a small church, but we went to basically two churches growing up. One was like kind of out in the country and then that imploded. And so we went to a new church, which was hard to understand. Again, it was, it was just a small place. So you know everybody, everybody knows you, but nothing ever was different. And so I I grew up, I remember 
specifically in high school, having this question, like, how do we grow in Christ? What does that really mean? And not really getting any answers, which I always thought was kind of, kind of strange. Yeah. So how did you wrestle with that? What did you ever reach any conclusions? Well, I did. So I, I ended up pursuing a theological education, which is, this is why. So I, you know, the evangelical response to everything is read your Bible and pray. And, uh, the trouble is we just never tell each other how to do that. So I like to say I went to college to learn how to read the Bible. I got a degree in biblical studies and then I went to seminary to learn how to pray, uh, studied spiritual formation. There's still a lot of Bible, but that kind of led me in a direction where I would go to places like the Je- the Sacred Heart Jesuit Retreat House here in Sedalia, Colorado. Completely silent retreat. I'd never done anything like that until I came here and was required to do a 24-hour retreat. And I love it. It's one of my favorite places in the world. But that's where, you know, it was a, really a Jesuit who taught me how to do things like Lectio Divina and imaginative prayer and not evangelical. So I eventually had to go kind of outside of my tradition. All right. I'd love to chase that rabbit trail for a second if you're okay with that. Yeah. What is the difference between how you thought about prayer growing up and how you think about prayer today? When you talk about uh, the, the types of prayer you were taught by the Jesuits, what exactly did they teach you to do? Well, so the main one is uh, what I would call Lectio Divina, which is just a, a word for saying spiritual reading. And it is just a simple meditation practice. It's taking a passage of scripture. Now, Ignatius of Loyola, who started the Jesuits, did this through the life of Christ. And so if you ever do the spiritual exercises of Ignatius, that's what you'll get. They'll take you through kind of his Mary finding out and then kind of through his whole life. It was really, but it's really this practice. You you just read the passage, you reflect on the passage, uh, you respond to the passage, and you remain with the passage. And that's it. Um, you just sit with it. And so you can do this in a lot of different ways. Um, you can do it in 15 minutes if you want. You can do it with long passages or short passages. And then the, the last step is to return. So then you can come back to it over and over again. And I found that return piece to be one of the most powerful ones for me. Um, I love to just like, I'll give, just give you an example right now in my life. I like to say stuck. I'm stuck on John 13 where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. I can't get enough of that passage. And so when I go and read scripture, that's what I'm reading. When I'm thinking about scripture, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm, I'm pondering Jesus and his kind of lesson to his disciples. It's not just a leadership lesson, which is usually how we get it preached. But this contrasts a lot with what I grew up with. Really, prayer was intercessory prayer, which is a kind of prayer. It's great, but it's usually just asking God for things, asking God for uh, things for people, maybe praying for healing, something like that, but not really meditating on anything or not really just even being quiet. So one thing I've learned about prayer is that prayer is as much about listening as it is about speaking. And that took a long time for me to figure out. That's really important. What is it about Jesus washing the disciples' feet that has grabbed you? You know, in that passage, I just love Jesus' humanity. Uh, He is, he's facing the cross. He knows this. John starts out and he says he knew who that he came from the Father and he knew he was going back to the Father. So he's got this really secure identity right at the very beginning. But he's still going through this. And he's going to give them, he's able to serve his disciples because he knows who he is. It's not really about that. He At one point he says, you call me master, you call me rabbi, 
That's true. But look, I served you. That's what's more important, right? But then throughout the passage, he's casting these sideways glances at Judas, right? He knows that Judas is going to betray him and he washes his feet anyway. That's amazing, right? It really is. But he's also, so he's, he's talking, he's, he says, you know, like when he's talking to Peter and Peter says, uh, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. Come on, that's ridiculous. And Jesus is like, well, hey, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any part with me. And Peter goes, okay, then just wash everything. And Jesus kind of chuckles at him and goes, oh, you're clean already. Not everybody, not all of you. And he casts this glance at, at Judas. And I think you see this kind of sense of betrayal in him, which is totally legit, right? Totally human. Of course, yeah. And totally right for the situation. But we don't, I, I've never reflected on that uh, a lot. So it helps me see Jesus as as a human being, as as somebody who was wrestling with what was about to happen, maybe even a little scared. You think you see that in the garden coming up? It's kind of, but sort of, it's in his spirit, and he's he's wanting to serve his disciples, but he's also wrestling with what he knows he has to do, and that's a feeling I have a lot. You know, that's I, when I when I we were talking about the Spark Christian Podcast Conference when I had to speak. That's exactly how I felt. Right, I I was terrified, but I wanted to serve the audience, and so it just kind of seeing Jesus in that light really really helps me. And maybe there's more there. I don't know. Sometimes God will bring out the things as I, as I go, as I meditate on it. So I, I just am sort of expecting and anticipating what he's going to bring. You talked about going to seminary to learn how to pray. Did you have a sense of calling to vocational ministry that helped fuel your desire to go there? I did. I did. I, I thought I was going to be a pastor because that was the only thing I could, I could wrap my mind around like what that would one have meaning, but then also just be kind of a good fit for my gifting. Although it's not really a great fit for my personality, I don't think. So I never actually ended up becoming a professional pastor. Um, and there are parts of that that I'm really glad for. I don't think I would, even though I'm a content creator, I don't, I don't really think I would be that great. I'm not a good preacher. And I don't think some of the, oh, what's the word? Some of the kind of routine things that you do, like marrying people and, and doing funerals and things like that. I just, I'm not really that interested in doing the ceremonial aspects. Yeah, those yeah, ceremonial things. I just thought that doesn't that doesn't interest me <laughs> in the least. So, it wasn't really probably a, a good a good fit for me, but it's what I was expecting. I'll tell you, so this is an interesting thing. I just found last year right around the time my our daughter was born. She's our oldest, just turned 18, which is hard to believe. Wow. Uh but she uh, when when she was born, I started a journal, and I for a couple of years I, I wrote in that journal, and I went back last year and started just kind of searching through it, looking through it, and I found a post or a entry in 2002 where I said I think God might have a unique ministry for me, something not traditional, and then I spent the next 15 years trying to have a traditional. <laughs> ministry. <laughs> See, this is why we get along so well. I did the yeah. exact same thing. Go ahead. Yeah. Anyway, so that so I think I always had this idea and I spent a long time wrestling with what do you want me to do, Lord? But only seeing pastoral ministry as as the way cuz those are the people we give all the credibility and the authority and the money to, quite frankly. And um I just didn't know what else to do. So that's so I just kept going to school until it was 
until it was kind of done. I the next degree that you can get is called a demon, which I think is kind of ironic and funny, but uh, I'm never going to get one of those. <laughs> okay. All right. So what do you think it is that, you know, we have this sense of, all right, we need to do something different, something outside of the conventional notions of religious life, at least in the culture that we live in. What is it that pulls us back to conventional ministry thought when we start off with this mindset of we exist to do something differently? I think at least in the American church, so I don't know how it is in the rest of the world, but in the American evangelical church, we have privileged people with certain giftings and uh, the people who can, it's not even leadership, which is kind of annoying. Like if leadership was a gift, that'd be great. But I think it's really just speaking, right? It's if you can tell a good story and and speak from scripture, you can do it, right? You can you can be a pastor, even if you don't have pastoral gifts. So we've we've kind of conflated those two. And I've heard it, you you probably like I have in Ephesians, is it four, uh, where the where he talks about the gifts and the pastor teacher thing. We've kind of brought those together, but there's a lot of pastors who are really just teachers. And that's fine. We need their gifts. I wholeheartedly support everybody who's a teacher. I want you to, to teach, study and teach, and, and we need you. But I think we've privileged that so highly that it just doesn't leave room for the rest of us. And that's that's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of what we do here on this podcast are kind of, for lack of a better term, deconstruction stories, reconstruction yeah. stories. Did you have a season where you started to question long-held beliefs? Mm. Yeah, I feel like I'm in one right now, actually. When did that start for you? Well, when I started my podcast. <laughs> so so my, <laughs> my show is all about the spiritual journey. And I've learned so much from it. Like one thing, I, I didn't think, I didn't trust that people could hear God, that God would actually speak to an individual. But one of the first stories I heard was somebody who said, yeah, God, God spoke to me. Like, and she tells a great story about that, but she, it, was, it was, so then I had to wrestle with it. And I've heard countless stories like that now. And so I've had to kind of, kind of change my views, but then that changes some things, right? It means if God does speak to us today, then I have to doubt some of the things like cessationism you know, that I kind of grew up in, even though we would say we believe in the Holy Spirit, we would say, oh, well, God can speak to you, but he doesn't because he gave us the Bible, right? So then, okay, got to think about the Bible a little differently and think about, you know, wrestling with the atonement. So then the, it kind of kind of leads into this, this whole rabbit trail, right? Yeah. How have your beliefs about the Bible shifted? Yeah. So this is funny. This is one of the last things I learned in seminary. We We have to do this paper where you write all the things that you believe and then orally defend it. And I remember getting to the scripture portion or the revelation portion of that, thinking I'm going to write about inerrancy and infallibility and all these things. And I did when I talked about scripture, but it turns out the concept of revelation is actually much bigger than just scripture, which kind of blew my mind. And so from Reformed sources even, I found basically... God reveals himself in multiple ways. Certainly the person of Jesus, right? He is, he is the image of the unseen God. He is the exact copy of what God is. So he tells us what God is like. Then there's scripture and all, all that that means. And then there's these weird mystical experiences that everybody in the Bible seems to have from beginning to end. The whole book of Revelation is a mystical experience. 
so that then I had to kind of open up, you know, that possibility that may, scripture is good and is certainly a revelation from God, but it also is not everything. You know, I grew up being told that everything you need is there and, and maybe it is, but it's, I don't think that's what God wants me to have is a relationship with the Bible. He wants me to have a relationship with him. And so I, I see the Bible now as not just the, the whole like, Handbook for Life, you heard it called that, right? Uh, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth, the, the owner's manual for humanity. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly, right. I've heard it called that, but um, I don't see it that way anymore. I see it as revealing to me who God is and so and his relationship to humanity. That one, Once I got that, my whole, the whole approach uh, changed. So for me, I'll give you an example. The book of Habakkuk, for me, I just love it because if you read it, you can read, there's prophecy in there. God prophesies against Israel. He prophesies against uh, the Babylonians. There's there's doom and destruction like all prophets. But if you read that, that, so you can read it for that time, that's fine. But if you read it for the relationship that Habakkuk has with God, it opens up and it's completely different, right? He shows up and he complains. He tells us, God, how, how are you doing? Why, why are you not doing something about all these wicked people? And God says, don't worry, I'm sending the Babylonians. And then Habakkuk's like, wait, that's not cool, right? <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't like that. And so he complains again. And then he finally says, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to wait and see what kind of answer I'm going to get because I want to hear from God. And then God responds, and that's where we get the righteous will live by faith as a response to what Habakkuk does and says, I'm going to just listen and see what you're going to say. And then after God responds, don't worry, I'll take care of the Babylonians too. Habakkuk gives us this long psalm. It's probably the most beautiful in all of scripture about how he's going to trust God no matter what. And, and that, but that's born of his willingness to sit and listen and struggle and wrestle with God. Well, read it for the relationship. It's so much more beautiful. It's so much more meaningful, at least to me. How have your evolving beliefs changed you? Well, I think I'm I'm a lot more accepting of a lot of people, for sure. I definitely don't have some of the hangups with with people that I would have had before of different backgrounds. Uh, I definitely can appreciate more traditions. I can appreciate people like our LGBTQ friends, plus friends. So that that's kind of interesting. I so when I graduated seminary, I started a political blog. And so I was writing all kinds of things, right, back then. And I've changed a lot of that as well. I I definitely, my political stances, I've gotten, I wouldn't say liberal, I'm just less conservative, perhaps, which is just weird to me. It feels very, very untethered, but it is, it is important. So I've separated, for instance, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the United States. Our friend, I think you know Keith Giles, his book uh, helped me do that. Yeah, absolutely. Good friend. Yeah. So it, it just helped me go, oh, yeah, this is the United States is not the kingdom of God. And that's how I grew up thinking that the United States was supposed to be the kingdom of God. And now I find that people on both sides of the aisle are trying to make the United States the kingdom of God. And it's not. Yeah, I was actually just talking to Shane Claiborne about that last night. Um, it'll be the episode before yours. So if you're listening to this episode, it was last week, um, about this exact thing. I I was a political junkie growing up. I was very into politics. I was very conservative in my beliefs. And then I started to see Jesus in the Gospels. And I started to see 
um, a, a way that Jesus communicated the gospel to his culture in a way that was good news for, you know, the poor and the oppressed and people trapped in a very broken system. And so I, I asked Shane, you know, how do we speak the gospel into our culture without becoming, you know, just a a clone of the Democratic Party or a clone of the Republican, you know, without just becoming a cheerleader for a political partisan stance. And uh, it was really interesting to me, that conversation. So I know exactly what you've been wrestling with. Totally agree. It's it's just, it, and that feels weird. I mean, honestly, so I'm still pretty conservative uh, personally, but this is one of the things I think Donald Trump has done that's really good, even though he didn't do it on purpose. I think he's forced the evangelical church to think harder about our politics. And that's a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. All right. So just some random questions, just because I wonder when I hear people talk about, you know, their faith and the shifts in their faith, I kind of wonder where they are right now. You're not speaking anything definitively. Five years from now, your answer will be different. In your understanding today, who is God? Well, God is, he's the creator of the universe. I still think of him as creator. I think of him as somebody who loves me, who loves the world. And that Jesus is proof of that. I think Jesus is God. I haven't changed that. I get real nervous when people do that. That's that's troubling to me. But yeah, does that answer the question? Is that what you're looking for? Yeah. I mean, are, do, you, do you think you would fall into the category of people who would say God is like Jesus? Oh, totally. 100%. Or do you think? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one, been one of the great comforts, I think, in, in feeling a little bit untethered from my theological roots is Jesus is sort of the anchor. Mm-hmm. He, he is. This, like the whole book of Hebrews is that says that, right? He is the one who, uh, he's better than all the other things. Boy, that'd be interesting. I need to write that as a book, right? Jesus. Oh, yes. Yes, you he, do. So take, take the idea of Hebrews uh, that where they're, he's a, or the author is applying the idea that Jesus is better to Jews and uh, all the things in the Jewish life, right? Jewish religion. And saying Jesus is better than that. Imagine if we did that to our evangelical theologies. That'd be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. The idea was born here, folks. That's right. Right here on the Message Spirituality Podcast. What is your relationship with the church like today? Oh, so I go to an institutional church and we're in a tr- transition where we're, our senior pastor left last summer. And so we're looking for a new one. I love our church. And so the interesting thing for me is... What I love there is the community. I absolutely love the people. There are people there that if I didn't see them, I would be sad. And so I go every week to see them. I have personally felt a bit of malaise um, and not, you know, not because of anything happening at the church. So it'd be easy to blame it on, you know, we're in this transition and we don't have a consistent speaker or whatever. I actually love the variety. We've, we have had of uh, different people on our staff and others come in and, and speak to us. And that's, that feels really good. But uh, I just like church services. I'm so over that right now. I just don't need to sit through another lecture. I'd rather be in the lobby talking to my friends. And for the record, that's not just church. I find that happening at uh, conferences and places that I go to where, man, I'd rather be meeting people and, and talking to people than uh, listening to something else. There's a few people I'll, I'll listen to, but I don't know. So that's kind of, that's an interesting season for me right now where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go, but 
I don't really want to be in. Yeah, I understand. What led you to start the Halfway There podcast? I've listened to a couple of episodes. I really love it. I, I love just the whole you've got such a fresh perspective and you, you seem that when you're asking your questions, it's really just about getting to know people better. What you just said about going to church to hang out with people doesn't surprise me at all because that's exactly how you sound on your podcast. <laughs> is that, is that a new thing for you? This interest in people and the details and what makes them tick? I think I've always been interested in that, but it's new for me to embrace it and to really make that part of my identity. I really I just, I find people fascinating. I find variety fascinating. And so there's all kinds of different experiences. And I, I think God actually is in all of them, right? So to, to go and find those are really good. The reason I started this show is because I have this background in spiritual formation, went to a seminary and got that degree. And when I was looking around, I, I was into podcasting, but the Christian space, the Christianity is the, or well, the religion spirituality is the largest category in iTunes. There's more Christian podcasts than anything else in there, even though you wouldn't know it necessarily. And that's because a lot of us are basically podcasting has become the new tape ministry for sermons. So, which is great. I love that we're, you know, we're doing that. It's, it's usually we're 20 years behind. So we're, we're way ahead on that. But I was looking around and I could, I could see that most Christian podcasts were really just teaching. And that makes an assumption about what people need, that people need more knowledge to, in order to grow. And I was looking at the places like the New Testament, for instance, and seeing that there's a whole lot more stories than there are you know, didactic teaching. And so I wanted to, to bring something that would address the entire spiritual journey, including the, the messy parts like uh, like you talk about, um, definitely the dark night of the soul is is sort of a a passion of mine. I I it grieves me deeply that many churches don't know how to help someone through that because when you start to get a little bit messy, people tend to get dropped, and that is like the opposite <laughs> of the gospel as far as I'm concerned. So I started my show to kind of normalize the the dark night of the soul, the spiritual desert, and uh, it's one question that I always ask people, or else it just comes up naturally. And um, that way we can, we can talk about it. We can talk about how God brings people through and he helps people. Talk to us about the mission of the Christian Podcasters Association. Why'd you start that? Yeah, I literally started it on a whim. Um, we had a, I was, there was a thread in like, I think it was podcast movement group and somebody was looking for different groups. And uh, I asked, hey, does anybody know of a Christian group? Because I would love to find one where we actually inter interact. And somebody responded, a guy named Phil responded and said, I'd love that if that existed. And I couldn't find it. And so I said, dude, we're going to start our own. And we did. And so uh, we, we started it. Phil has since, he's kind of stopped. He's moved on to other businesses. He stopped podcasting. But um, I kind of kept it going. So I, my goal is really to connect Christian podcasters, because I think there's a lot of people who teach you how to podcast, but what's really valuable and been most valuable to me is connecting to other people, uh, doing things like this. You know, I know you because of podcasting. The beautiful thing about the Spark Christian Podcasting Conference is I went there and I met, I think a third of those people I knew already from the internet and I'd seen them and I could just go ahead and uh, I could meet them in person, shake their hand or give them a hug. And 
it was amazing. So that that's really our goal is just to bring Christian podcasters together. What has surprised you the most about the stories of the people you've interviewed for your podcast? Is there like a common thread? Wow, that's a great question. I, you know, what surprises me is, I, I think there's a couple of things. One is the diversity of experiences that people have with God. There definitely are all kinds of really different and unique things. People have, some people have really dramatic stories and some people have really subtle stories, but God is present in all of them. And I love that. That that just makes me so excited. I love to go and like, let's just try to figure out how this happens. The other thing that that surprises me is I've learned what the journey looks like. So even though everybody is a little different, um, there are these common threads that that happen. Um, and it may happen because of different different reasons. It, you know, all kinds of things can can prompt a dark night of the soul for instance, or can can lead you or call you into that sort of finding yourself in Christ stage, which I, I like to talk about. But finding those and seeing those and being able to identify it is really kind of a side effect that I didn't expect. Um, but I really love because it makes me able to have a conversation with people in ways that I couldn't before. So I love that. You mentioned before kind of regretting the fact that the church isn't hasn't been thus far very good at helping people through those dark nights of the soul. Do you have any advice for people who are reconstructing their faith? Uh, well, the the most important thing is to cling to Jesus. Uh, that is that is the the key. I think. Also, the other one is learn some new practices. So, I, one thing that I think is really sadly missing is that uh, we don't always understand that there are new there there are other practices out there. So, like I said, a lot of times for me it was read your bible and pray, but nobody ever showed me how to do those things in different seasons. I have a friend, I tell a story sometimes. Um I hope he doesn't mind. I should ask him sometime, but he, he said to me he, he was doing reading the bible in a year with his with his job he works at a Christian organization. So, okay, so he's going to read it and he was having a hard time with it and uh, he goes, I used to love this. I used to love going through and, and just reading all the stories, but he's read them. He knows the stories. And it wasn't what he needed. And so I said, okay, to my friend, go ahead and like try this. I, goes, I, I said, I can tell you why this is. You're experiencing, this used to feed you because you you needed to know it, right? You This is what you needed to know. But now you're in a different stage of the journey. You're more mature you need to reflect and, and try a new practice. And so I taught him some Lectio and I gave him my eight day Bible study. I, I wrote this thing called eight day experience um, takes you through Lectio Divina in eight days. You can do it. You don't have to do it in eight consecutive days, which is one of the things that I always hated about Bible studies because I never did them every day. And so you could do it, you know, pick it up once every week and you will, you will absolutely still get something out of it and you'll, be, feel more connected to the Lord. And in between those times, you'll be thinking about it. And that's called meditation. It's really good. But finding that a practice like that and being open to, okay, what are my, what's the new practice that I need right now? Um, being able to identify that you need a new one and then trying it and then mastering it is powerful. And it's it's what needs to happen. All right. I know some listeners are going to be mad at me if I don't ask this question based on what you just said. Is that eight-day experience that you wrote available anywhere? It is. Is there somewhere that we can get a hold of it? Yeah, it is. You can go to my website. Just go to ericnevins.com. It's it's $8. I charge $8. So it's about a dollar a day. But it's 
I promise if you try it, not only will you learn the practice, you will find that it's a, it's a new way of approaching scripture, uh, probably to you, even though it's very old and it will give you new life. So I, here's my principle, go where you find spiritual life, right? My dad told me one time, my dad asked me, my dad grew up in like an evangelical covenant church. So very evangelical, pretty Arminian, but also um, dispensational. They believed the world was going to end any minute and Jesus was going to come back. And they were very worried about it. But he went later in life, he ended up go. he goes, went to this Lutheran church in Iowa. It's the biggest church in Iowa was in this Episcopal Bible study and he was growing. He goes, is this okay? He said that to me. And I was like, yeah, go where you find spiritual life, Dad. You're you finding Jesus here. You respond in the Holy Spirit. Go, it's okay. So I say the same thing about practices. Go where you find spiritual life. Again, cling to Jesus. That's important. I, I would say let's don't throw out the Bible. I get a little nervous by people who want to do that, but let let's use it for what it's intended for, and and then find those new practices. It's okay to have new practices. Do you have any thoughts on what the future of the church might look like? Well, I hope that the future of the church is more diverse and more open to letting everybody use their gifts. So this is one of those things the deconstruction kind of world has brought to my attention, but I, I think it's really important. I think it's really true. Everybody has something to bring. And if we don't allow them to do it, we don't empower them to do it, then we're in trouble and we're, we're actually missing out on what God's given us. So I think one of the beautiful things about podcasting, for instance, what I said at, at Spark was, hey, you have a story, you have a message and podcasting makes it possible for you to get your message out. Take advantage of that. Definitely pursue it because we need to hear your voice. And that I hope is, is more the future of the church than just you know getting drawn out by the popular ones. Eric, what's coming up for you? What are you working on right now that we can look forward to in the near future? I'm working on a... So Christian Podcasters Association has been a very successful group and it's very valuable, but it's totally free. So people can join it. If you're a Christian podcaster, search us on Facebook and join it. But I've been working on a membership site for Christian podcasters where you you will pay a small monthly fee and then I can invest in those people um, more. So... Uh, we actually have it started. It's called Rocket Podcast at rocketpodcast.co and .co. And you can, we're, it's launching, we're going to launch on March 31st. We're going to open it up. Um, so we'll be promoting that here in the next couple of weeks. But um, this is where we're, I'm going to start investing a lot more time and energy. We're going to do weekly uh, seminars or weekly webinars with people uh, in the industry to teach you how to, promote your podcast. If you're just getting started, we're going to do things like that. I'm really excited about things like we're going to have an editing module. Like one of the hardest things for me was learning how to use GarageBand, right? Like figuring out how to, how do I do this? I'd never done any audio editing. So being able to just have a resource like that, I know you can get it online. You can get it on YouTube if you want to find it. But if you're looking for somebody you trust, we'll have those as well from really top-notch people, things like that. But then also masterminds. Because one thing I found really helpful when I started is I hired a coach because I couldn't get over my fear of what if it's not good enough? Will anybody listen? And he helped me work through all that and helped me learn to iterate and just start out. If it stinks, it's okay because you're you're better started than not started. And 
and getting better. In fact, somebody told me that at, at uh, in Houston that uh, they listened to my show and it gave them hope because they saw so much improvement. I was like, that's like getting the most improved reward. Thanks, pal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great job. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. You know, I've got folks asking me, it seems like every week, how do I start a podcast? And and I think that most people who are asking that really need to because they want to have the same kind of conversations we're having. I love the fact that I get to have interesting conversations with people that I really have wanted to talk to, but didn't have an excuse to talk to, and that they really are very open to all the questions. And so when folks are asking me constantly about starting a podcast, I haven't had a resource that I can send them to. And so I'm excited about what you're about to launch. Cool. Yeah, I would love that. I think it'll be a good community too. That's one thing. So I'm starting it with my friend, Misty Phillip, who also did the Spark Christian Conference. Because I think between the two of us, we both are really good at bringing in community because we want it to not just be about the knowledge. That's great. But like I said, there's a lot of people who will teach you how to podcast. Who will teach you how to do that in community? There's a few, but that's what we want to do. So um, it's not, you're not going to be alone. You're not going to be, you're not going to have to do it. When I started, I was alone in my basement trying to hammer this stuff out and battling fear every step of the way. If if you want to start, you can do it and, and we'll help you. You won't have to be alone. I love it. That's great. As everything in life should be done in community. I think that's fantastic. Absolutely. Okay. What's coming up on your podcast? Any Coming uh, upcoming guests that you're excited about right now? I we've got a lot of of great people coming soon. I uh, have been really excited. Some of them I haven't recorded yet. Um, one guy we've got Eric Fisher. I don't know if you know who he is. He's he's a podcasting guy. He's been around. I he, I met him at, at Podcast Movement last year, and I was telling him about my show, and he goes, "I'll be on that." I was like, "Wow, okay, great." Um, he's really good. We've got. Let me see. I've, I interviewed Kyle Strobel about contemplation, which uh, was really good. He's got a new book out that he edited called Embracing Contemplation, which is really for evangelicals who are a little skeptical. Um, and he demonstrates why that's a an okay practice. We've got, oh man, Jay Holland, who is in the group as well, who just has a story of, you know, just going through some terrible suffering, but finding God to be very good to him in the middle of all that. Um, and we have Lauren Gaskill, who's been through a lot of suffering as well. So um, that that one we're going to record here in April. I can't wait to do that as well. So Super. What's the best way for folks to engage with you and your work online? Mm, the best thing to do is go to ericnemons.com. Um, you can sign up. I have a little ebook about Habakkuk, actually. about It's called What to Do When You're Mad at God. I think a lot of people struggle with that. It's just six pages, but it will show you exactly what kind of he does and then help you kind of do that for yourself. Like I said, you can find a day experience there. You can subscribe to the podcast there. Uh, ericnevins.com. Man, I am so grateful for this time with you today and I'm grateful for your work. Thank you so much for being a part of the Messy Spirituality Podcast today. Thanks for having me, brother. I've enjoyed it. I appreciate you as well. And oh, by the way, I should have said this, you're coming out, right? So we, we have that uh, coming up as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you've got that episode. We we did it like a couple we of months did. ago, but it hasn't been released yet. I forgot that. I work really far ahead. And so I'm starting to not even record. <laughs> There's some months I don't even record any interviews because I just don't have to. So You're just uh, way more organized than I am. Well, I got ahead. It's a long, longer story, but I got ahead because I booked like 20 people at once one time. And uh, it's a blessing. But now I'm finding I just want to... 
I want to talk to more people. So I'm trying to figure out how to do that. Awesome. Well, I'm really excited. Friends, we're going to list... Uh, Show, we're going to have in the show notes links to every resource that Eric has mentioned uh, on the podcast today, as well as his website and uh, the Christian Podcast Association. I encourage you to take advantage of the resources that Eric produces. He is an insanely good content creator, and I'm so grateful. If you haven't heard the Halfway There podcast, please go download several episodes and subscribe to the podcast. You will not regret it. I promise. Eric, thanks so much, brother. Love you. Hey, thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Messy Spirituality Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and visit us online at MessySpirituality.org. You can help spread the word about the podcast by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes and sharing links to each episode on your social media. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode.